How are we guys? Is alright? Am I on? Kind of, am I? Yes, I'm on. Okay, good morning everybody. It's great to be here and I, I love family services because you get away with so much that you don't normally get away with. Like games upon games upon games. And I, I want to start my talk this morning with a challenge, okay? Um, it, it's an old school challenge. It's one that everybody should love whether you are a kid or whether you are old. Um, so forgive me if you, I choose you and you then fall into that category of being old, okay? I'm not trying to uh, point fingers, but I need a couple of volunteers, okay? And it's nothing too crazy, so everybody should be able to, to go for it. So let me see who have we got. Okay, Ollie, come on ahead. Um, what about what about your mum, Ollie, yeah? Rebecca, are you up for it? Come on ahead, Rebecca. Here, let's see, and maybe one more. Is there anybody over this side or Jenny? Come on ahead, Jenny. Here, you'll love it, it's good, come on, it's really good. Basically, what we've got to do, our challenge is to make a paper airplane. It's so simple. Come on, Jenny, yeah, 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 it's so simple. All you've got to do is make a paper airplane, and I know you're really good at making paper airplanes. So here's a page for you, Rebecca. Here is a page for you, Ollie. And here is a page for you. Now, of course, there's a wee bit of a twist. We're not going to just make paper airplanes, that'd be a bit boring. I have got in my really cool briefcase, I've got some visual impairment goggles, aka beer goggles. They're cool. So you put these on, you can't see straight, okay? It's hard to do. So I'm going to give you guys the beer goggles, and Ollie, you're going to make yourself a paper airplane. And then we're going to do a challenge. We're going to see when our paper airplane is made, can we hit the back wall? Sounds, sounds easy enough, or what do I reckon? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the goggles anyway. Right, here we go. So think, think about what you're going to do, how you might make it. If you can't make a paper airplane, then you've got to make something that resembles a paper airplane, okay? So there's your goggles for you. I know there's no table, so you can use the ground, okay, or, or whatever you like. There's your goggles for you. Right, how long do you reckon we'll give them? Like a minute or something like that? <laughs> Let's get our goggles on and go for it. Ollie's off to a great start. Now, Ollie is a good paper airplane maker. How do I know this? Every Sunday in youth church, there's paper airplanes flying across the room. Okay, you've done this before. How are you getting on, girls? Is it easy enough? No, <laughs> oh, I like this, I like this. Now, all you've got, it's really simple. All you've got to do is hit the back wall. And realistically, if your paper airplane's made well, that should be doable. What do you reckon, Ollie? Do you think you can do it? No. Doesn't believe in himself. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how we get on. Is that yours made? Okay, you stand up for me. Good. Here, Jenny, that is class. You're saying here you don't know what you were doing. You've done this before. Okay, well, all you have to do is throw to the back. And we'll do it one at a time. Okay, throw to the back. Now, please, guys... Be careful, there is uh, health and safety here, so if you just reach under your seats, there's goggles that you guys can put on for protection. Okay, Jenny, you go first. Oh, jeepers. There was a bit of a breeze there, I think it was the breeze, wasn't it? Right, Rebecca, you're up now as well. Ah, there's another breeze. There we go. Nice one. So let's just look at this, guys. Thank you so much. You just can leave your goggles there and grab a seat. So we had Jenny's paper airplane over here, and about 
three inches ahead of Jenny was Rebecca's paper airplane here, and then all the way back here, Ollie did pretty well. Ollie got, is it still about, is it? Or maybe it's been taken. Ollie got all the way halfway up the church. So technically, Ollie, you're the winner this morning, okay? We're going to come back to that wee analogy and, and that wee challenge in a little bit. But I'm not here to talk to you guys about paper airplanes. I want to tell you a story about a guy, well, you've already heard about this guy called Saul slash Paul in our, in our quiz this morning. I don't know if you've been on the news or anything this week, um, if, you've, if you've seen what's going on. There was a really interesting story about a comedian. Now, this is probably more for the parents who will have picked this up or heard of it. There was a guy called Joe Lysett. Anybody ever heard of Joe Lysett? Anybody know what Joe was in the news for this week? Changed he changed his name. So Joe is a comedian, and this is the sort of thing that a comedian might get away with. He was getting really frustrated and annoyed at the company called Hugo Boss. Because Hugo Boss were going around and they were targeting smaller companies that had used the word boss in their name. And they were saying, you've got to cease to exist here and change your name because we own that word boss. We own not the title Hugo Boss. So what did Joe do? He changed his name legally to Hugo Boss. Hello, Mr. Boss. How are you doing today? First name, Hugo. That would be really strange, wouldn't it? Well, this morning, the story we're talking about is about a guy who kind of changed his name halfway through. He went from Saul to Paul, but it wasn't a midlife crisis. There was something incredible that happened in his life. Now, what I want to do is just tell you a little bit of the story. So Saul was a Pharisee, okay? Now, a Pharisee, you may know a little bit about what a Pharisee was, but they were a very, very strict type of Jew. They lived by very, very strict laws and strict rules, And actually, they were very outspoken and critical of anybody else that didn't fall under those set of rules. Anybody that was living outside of those rules, they weren't happy. Now, Saul, he had it in for a very particular type of people, a very particular group of people. They were the Christians, okay? He had it in for them in a big way. He hated them. And when I say hate, I mean he hated these Christians. I love the, the, the version of this story that I read in the message. It puts it like this. It says, Paul was breathing down the necks of Christians out for the kill. Okay, so he was out hunting these Christians. And that phrase, out for the kill, we kind of use that in our own sort of language today as a throwaway comment. But this was a literal comment. Paul was out searching for Christians to put them in prison and even go to the point of killing them all because they were preaching about this guy called Jesus who died on a cross and then rose again three days later. So the setting for the story this morning is that Saul, he was, he was on his way to Damascus because he had been given, he'd been given a warrant by the chief priests. Now these were the big dogs, these were the guys that were like the top Jews and they had given him this warrant to go and capture any Christians that were preaching about this guy called Jesus and they said, I want you to put them in prison, I want you to stop them, cut this out, we want it eradicated, we want the Christians gone. So Saul was on his way, he was on this road to Damascus, and we're told something incredible happened. There was this bright flash, flashing light, well actually it doesn't say it was flashing, it says it was such a bright light that it dazed him. He couldn't see what was going on, and he fell to his knees, and he covered his eyes, and he was in in fear, he was shocked at this big bright light. But not only was there a light, there was a voice as well. And the voice said this, 
Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? And then Saul replied, who are you? And the voice replied again, I am Jesus, the one that you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city of Damascus. And in the city, you'll be told what to do next. Can you imagine how terrified Saul might have been in that moment? Not only was he on the ground shielding himself from this bright light, he was hearing this voice and he'd just been told that it was Jesus. Now, don't forget that Saul didn't even believe in this guy, Jesus. He knew that he had existed. He knew that he was one that went around and taught people about, about God and he was a good man and he, he had a crowd that followed him. And he knew that he went to the cross and he knew that he died on the cross. But he'd heard these nonsense rumors that Jesus rose from the dead three days later. Nah, Saul didn't believe that. Not at all. But here we have Saul on the ground, shielding his eyes, being spoken to by that man, Jesus. That man that was declared dead on the cross was here speaking to Saul. He was terrified. Now, the next interesting part in the story is that as everything kind of come to an end, Saul then got up off, off the ground. He began to dust himself off and, and try and grasp what was going on. But as he opened his eyes, he realized he was blind. He was blind. He could not see a thing. He was completely blind. We're told that actually the men that were with him, they had to lead him and take him the whole way into Damascus because Saul had no idea how to get there at this stage. He was blind. He ate nothing. He drank nothing. And he remained blind for three days. Now in our story this morning, I want us just to cut the scene there and I want us to jump in our minds, jump into the city of Damascus and we have another man. So imagine in this scene, that the scene starts and it's someone opening their eyes and they're, they're, on their face looks confusion, on their face looks anger and, and frustration. This guy wasn't Saul, but it was another man called Ananias, Okay. Now, Ananias was a believer in Jesus. He was a disciple. He was a follower of Jesus. And the reason he looked so shocked and angry and frustrated was because he had just received a vision from God telling him that there was a man in Damascus called Saul who he was to go and lay hands on and pray for where he would be healed in that moment. Now, what do you expect Ananias' reaction might be in that moment? What do you expect Ananias, this follower of Jesus, how do we expect him to react? Well, I imagine he's just been told by God that he's going to go and pray for this man, that he's going to be healed of his, of his blindness. I imagine I'd be like, oh my goodness, yes. I want a part of that. I want to be involved in that. I want to see healing. I want to do what God is telling me to do. I've just had a vision from God. I am in. But... Instead, we see something completely different. Parents, there is an old famous tennis player. Anybody know who this is? Shout it out for me. John McEnroe, yeah. John McEnroe was famous uh, as a tennis player. Maybe not even so much for his skills as, as a tennis player, but he's famous for a saying. What's the saying? You cannot be serious. That's the saying. And in the, in the message version, it's so funny that Ananias' response to God was literally those words. You can't be serious, God. You can't be serious. You're asking me to go and pray for this guy Saul? 
And I love how God replies. I love how God the Father replies. Like any good father tells their kid at some point. Don't argue. Go. If you're a parent this morning, I guarantee you've probably said that at some stage. Ah! Don't argue. Just go. And Ananias, being a good disciple, being a good follower, he he did that. He said, okay, right, I'm just going to do it. And he went. And he found Saul, and he laid hands on him. And just as he did this, we're told that something incredible happened. It was like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And in that moment, Saul was able to see again. But in that moment then, Saul began to see things differently. The world looked a little different. His life looked a little different because Saul no longer was going to spend his life persecuting Christians and going after them to imprison them and even to kill them. But he was going to devote all of his time to telling others about this living Jesus who had risen from the dead. So what has this story got for us this morning? Well, it's so simple. I'm not going to speak for much longer because the takeaway is so, so simple. We have to have something that we leave this church with this morning from the story. And our takeaway is simply this. There is nobody out of reach of the grace of God. Nobody. There is nobody in this room out of reach of the grace of God. And there is nobody who does not need the grace of God. There is nobody in this room who does not need the grace of God. We think back to our airplane competition at the start. Now, the guys, I told them, I said, you've got to aim for the back wall. That is, that's the goal. You've got to go for that. Now, Jenny, she, let's be honest, Jenny, you didn't do well, okay? <laughs> you didn't do very well. I went here, Rebecca, you didn't do much better. You got three inches further, okay? Ollie, you did really, really well. You got up the middle there. But you didn't get the back. You didn't hit the target. You didn't actually achieve the goal. And the thing is, guys, we live in a world right now of comparison. This isn't anything new. The comparison has always been around. The famous saying by Theodore Roosevelt, he said, comparison is the thief of joy. And what we do in our lives is we compare ourselves to others. We say, I'm, I'm not as good as that person. Or maybe we actually say, here, I'm a bit better. I'm a bit better than that person. And we even do that when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Maybe we say, look, I'm a mess. I could never be a Christian. I could never have that thing that those guys up at the front are talking about, this relationship with Jesus. I couldn't have that because I'm not like them. I'm not like those holy Jews, those people that look like they've got it all together. Nah, I just couldn't do it. Or maybe we compare ourselves in the other way and we say, look, well, I'm not perfect, but flip, I'm, I'm better than your man over there or I'm better than your woman over there. I'm doing an okay job. I'm a good man. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. Or I'm a good kid. I'm a good pupil. But the thing is, guys, no matter how good or how bad you may view yourself, we all need the grace of God in our life. Saul was a man who spent his life pursuing, imprisoning, and killing Christians, but even he was not out of reach of the grace of God. Even he.
But Reuben, I'm no Saul. I'm much better than him. Surely I'm okay. But guys, none of us are good enough. Just like the paper airplanes who were aiming for the back wall. Some did maybe a little bit better than others. Some looked a little bit better. Some maybe didn't look so good. But nobody was good enough to reach the back. I hate that up phrase, good enough. The Bible kind of, it it gets rid of that word good and sticks in something else instead. It says none of us are righteous enough on our own. You see, it's only, only when we meet Jesus and when we are restored through him that we are made righteous through him. And it's because of him that we are made righteous. And something happens as well, guys. Just like Saul, whenever he he met Jesus, he was blinded for three days and then the scales fell. He was able to see things from a new perspective. It's the same for us. When we meet Jesus and when we give our lives to him, yes, we are made righteous in him, but we begin to see things from a new perspective. Okay, things maybe look technically the same. Our clothes still look the same. The surroundings still look the same, but we see things from a new perspective. Just like Jenny and Rebecca had the goggles on, everything was a little bit blurred, and it was only when they took it off that they realized what needed to happen. And when we meet Jesus, we see things through the Father's eyes and from the Father's heart. We view our own life a little differently. We view those around us a little differently. Our loved ones, we even view our enemies a little differently. All because of the grace that we have received Through Jesus Christ. Guys, that grace is for you this morning. I'm going to finish here with a prayer. And actually, as I pray, if if there's something here this morning that you've maybe felt, look, that is such a a simple point, but it's maybe hit me around this idea that the grace of God is for anyone, then I'd invite you to, to lean into this prayer with me and maybe to pray that. So let's bow our heads together, maybe as the band come up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the story of of Saul and how you met him, Father. How you stopped him in his tracks and you revealed yourself to him. Father, I pray for our own lives this morning. No matter what way we view ourselves, whether we view ourselves good or bad by the world standards, I pray, Father, that you would bring us to a place of longing for your grace upon grace upon grace daily in our lives, Lord. And Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who actually feels that they, they don't deserve your grace or they, they, they are out of reach of your grace, then I pray, Lord, right now that they would know your love. They would know that they are not out of reach of the Father's arms. If that's you this morning, then I'd invite you just to say, you're sorry right now. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for the way I've been living. I'm sorry that I've been trying to maybe achieve good living or achieve righteousness. But it's only through your grace, Jesus, that I can be made right. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you that you rose again three days later. Thank you that you are alive this morning. So Father, would you help me, give me new eyes, Lord, to see 
see life, to see everything around me through the Father's eyes, from the Father's perspective. To see my own life through the Father's perspective. Lord, I ask this in your holy name. Amen.